I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. This week, my guest is Jacqueline Prehogan, Chief Brand Officer and co-founder of Open Farm, a premium and ethically sourced pet food brand, as well as founder and CEO of Canada Pooge, a leading pet apparel and accessories company. At Open Farm and at Canada Pooge, Jacqueline has worked hard on creating and maintaining a company culture and a brand mission that stem from robust core values, with a focus on sustainability, animal welfare, and transparency with customers. She's also a firm believer in the importance of stress strategy first. An accomplished leader and asset to her community, Jacqueline was recognized as a winner of the Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award in the Emerging Entrepreneur category back in 2015. In this episode today, we talk about a leader's role in shaping internal culture and inspiring a sense of community and accountability with our teams. Here is our conversation. Jacqueline, it's such a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. So if you've listened to any uh, any episodes of the show before, I like to start these conversations by uh, going back in time a little bit with guests. So I want to ask you, growing up, what did you imagine you'd be doing as a career later in life? And was it at all connected to what you're actually doing today? Yeah. So I think the the biggest like defining aspect of my childhood was being completely obsessed with animals. Um, you know, I was that kid that walked every dog in the neighborhood. Um, I, I remember begging for a monkey at one point. But <laughs> that didn't happen. We ended up getting birds. We had birds. We had um, turtles. We had, we finally got a dog after many years of begging. So I knew that I wanted you know, a career that was centered on animals. Um, I think I always believed and aspired to be a veterinarian. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there was another thing at play where I uh, am very squeamish with blood. And I think I realized, you know what, that's probably not going to be for me. Um, but but absolutely, my love of animals ultimately propelled me, I think, into, into you know, the pet industry. With a short stop in the corporate world, um, I became an accountant and got my uh, CPA, um, which was, you know, very helpful in terms of foundation for business, but ultimately not a great, you know, fit for me in terms of my passion. Um, and so those two things definitely did come together and sort of helped me set off on my entrepreneurial journey. Wonderful. And uh, yeah, I was reading about the company. I was trying to read more about, you know, what you were up to before launching your own brand, which we're going to get into in just a moment. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what drew you to become an accountant and how do you feel that's prepared you now for for being uh, an entrepreneur? So I went to business school at Queens and there were streams, you know, you went into accounting, finance, consulting, or marketing. That's what people tended to do. And I think, um, when I was there, I, I sort of was going with the flow to some degree. Um, but at the same time, I was very involved in like entrepreneurial extracurriculars, um, did some, some really interesting stuff actually in university. Um, but ultimately I think, 
somewhat by a process of elimination, um, ended up going into accounting and did feel like, you know, it was a good foundation for whatever I would want to do after. But I think ultimately I, I definitely knew like I probably wouldn't be in it long term. but, and, you know, I think that was right. And, um, and, and, and having that foundation has definitely, you know, helped me along the way to be extremely, you know, financially literate, um, and to run a financially sound business. That makes perfect sense. I could see how that comes in handy. The first thing I did when I started my business is actually not the first, it's the first thing I should have done is I realized I really had to delegate anything that had to do with bookkeeping, accounting, all that stuff, because I was not doing myself any favors by taking it on myself. So. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? You got to fill the gaps with great people, especially where you're a little weaker. Exactly. So tell me about where the idea for Canada Pooch came from and how, uh, what was that journey like getting the business off the ground? Yeah. So I think that, you know, really the idea and most of my ideas, um, in this industry have come from my own experiences as a pet parent. Um, I was volunteering for many years at Toronto Animal Services. Um, um, and that's where we found our first of three pugs. Bella, the puggle, and, um, and ultimately got, we now have three, three pugs, if you can believe it. Um, but my experience with her, I remember it was like my first winter and I went to buy her a winter coat and I was like, everything is really kind of like frou-frou and frilly or it's, it's not very functional or it's like really functional and it's not very nice looking. And there were no brands and, um, and then I looked at, you know, people and the way that people were, would, were buying their outerwear products. And of course, there's such a focus on brands and, and, you know, marrying fashion and function. And, and ultimately that was where the original idea came from. Um, just really seeing a white space. And, mm-hmm. and then that being said, you know, once I started the business and over time, it really evolved, um, from, you know, being initially focused on, on winter wear for pets, which made sense being located, you know, in Canada, but to being, you know, much more of a lifestyle company that ultimately, you know, we start from what are products that are going to add value to pet parents that are going to, you know, make their lives with their pets more seamless, whether it's in, you know, dog walking, keeping their pets cool, Mm -hmm. you know, paw protection, which are all, you know, significant categories for us um, and really sort of evolving into a function first approach. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing was really focusing on building our brand, which is, you know, we're, yeah. we're really unique in our industry for having, you know, such a powerful and well-loved brand um, and, and ultimately building loyalty with our customers by, by truly earning it, um, putting our customers first, being obsessed with quality, obsessed with, you know, really, smart innovation that's actually going to add value. Um, and just, and delivering that, um, and standing behind our products time and time again. And and that's been, you know, such a core pillar of our strategy. And I think that I, um, you know, realized when we started, but has ultimately been, you know, a guiding principle as the company has, has grown and evolved. Mm. And how did you go about making sure that, you know, you could translate that and build storytelling for your audience to really set your brand apart? Because it seems, and I'm no expert in, you know, in that, in that specific category, but it seems you have kind of, you know, a lot, a lot of pet parents shop, it'll be at their, their pet shop, right? They'll see whatever options are there, or you have luxury brands who do 
you know, pet uh, accessories and, and, and pet items. And then, you know, you'll have kind of a, a luxury customer who gravitates towards that offering. So what, what kind of tactics work well in terms of really, you know, making it clear that you're offering something different and uh, getting people to really learn all that the company's about? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I feel like I, because we're, you know, very much like a brand focused company, you know, how many times have I asked myself that? And I think over the years, probably the biggest learning in that is that there's no silver bullet. It's Mm -hmm. just a constant and continual focus on number one, your innovation and the product itself. And like Mm -hmm. having core values around that and living them and delivering on them constantly. And, you know, and then when things, you know, and problems always happen, taking ownership, taking responsibility, whether it's with, you know, the customer or a B2B relationship and always making it right, always standing behind your products. And then ultimately telling your story in a way that's, you know, really authentic to who you really are, really consistent and, and building like one block at a time, that relationship with the consumer to sort Mm -hmm. of earn that differentiation. So of course you're going to go out through, you know, all the different marketing touch points. You're going to hopefully be telling a very consistent, very compelling story. Then you're going to be actually delivering that product to the customer. So they are going to try it and experience your brand. And, and ultimately what you want is all of that to go together when they have that experience with your brand, with your product, with your customer service, you know, they're like, yes, this was as advertised. This is the, this is, you know, the best quality product in this category I've ever used. I will never go to another brand because I know that I can rely on Canada pooch for this. Um, and, and then, and then ultimately, you know, continuing that relationship through, you know, email and, and all Mm -hmm. the different, you know, touch points that, that you have available. But, you know, I think for me, the, the biggest tenant is number one, of course, having sort of a differentiated story, but every brand says, or many brands say, Hey, we're the best quality, but, but it's living it and delivering it most true and authentic way that ultimately talk is, you know, talk is cheap, but doing it. Really, what's going to build that for your customers that, you you know, Mm -hmm. as they they experience it, they see it to be true. Mm -hmm. And in my experience and also in speaking to, you know, many women leaders, uh, it also takes kind of a robust internal culture to be able to deliver at all these touch points and keep your, your offering consistent. So what kind of things are important for you when you're, you know, building company culture, even through recruitment and, uh, you know, ongoing work with your teams? Um, what do you try to build uh, as far as culture is concerned? Team and culture is everything. I think that's such an important point. You know, I think one of the, the biggest things that, that we try to do at Canada Pooch is um, number one, absolutely have a you know strong set of core values that's reiterated um, within the business. And so that you, what, ultimately what you want is every member of the team, no matter where they are in the organization, to, as they're making the many decisions of their jobs, you know, live by those core values. And those core values, yeah, yeah. one of you know, the biggest influencing factors in, in you know, um, how they make those decisions. And then ultimately, I think the other piece is, is ownership and really trusting the members of your team. And I think that does tie into recruitment. You know, when we're going in and we're, we're hiring people, again, at, at every level, senior roles, junior roles, one of the biggest things we talk about is autonomy and ownership and that you're going to come in 
And you're going to, this is going to be your part of the business. You're going to own it. You're, we are never going to be a business that says, well, we do it this way. We're like the opposite. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, we want you to, to come in and bring, like we hired you for a reason to bring your ideas, to bring your experience and to enrich our products, our services, our culture with you. And I think that, um, first of all, hiring that way, second of all, training your leadership and management team to foster that, um, are, are absolutely critical. And I think the result and what we find at least is a team that's like very intrinsically motivated and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't need to constantly be sort of pushing and prodding. Like it's, it's, yeah. you know, ultimately then you're, you're, you want everyone to feel involved in the strategy of business and setting the goals. And then mm-hmm. again, they, you know, to, to really believe in their ownership and their contribution to those goals, to that strategy and, mm-hmm. and to bring that to the table. And, um, and I think that we have really aligned everyone to what I just spoke about, which is, you know, delivering authentically on our promise as a brand. And I can tell you, our team is obsessed with product, obsessed with quality, obsessed That's with the great. customer service. And if anything, I mean, they're just constantly raising the bar beyond what I could have mm-hmm. ever imagined, which is, you know, really incredible to see. Yeah, that's that's amazing to hear. Um, and I want to talk about you as a leader and what you bring to your role. So what would you say are your strengths as a leader and, and how do you think you're able to influence, you know, your teams and company culture overall and uh, leveraging those strengths? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think for me, at least in my journey, you know, it's really evolved as you know, I've built the business and we've grown up and, you know, when you're starting a business, like I remember when I first started, I was like, I, you know, I was the box packer. I was the invoicer. I was the designer, you know, like all out of my apartment. And then of course, as you grow, like, I think one of the most important parts of being a leader is number one, to set, you know, the vision and, and, and where you're going and the roadmap for the company, but then Mm -hmm. it's to build a team and the infrastructure to get you there. So I think, you know, one of the most, like the most important thing that I do is that. And, um, and ultimately as the, the business has grown, the amazing thing, and I, I really have enjoyed the last few years of the business. I really enjoy it right now because I feel like I'm at a stage where I can add the most value, um, because mm-hmm. I'm able to hire incredible leaders and managers who again, embody the values and, you know, are, have ownership over the goals, are, paddling in the same boat towards like on that roadmap. And then, you know, my job can is to continue to push the strategy, continue to lead the team and inspire the team to get there and to absolutely sort of kick the tires on the execution. So, you know, when we're looking at different execution plans, um, you know, uh, departmental goals and stuff like that, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. I'm going to be asking a lot of, have you thought of this and how does this tie Mm -hmm. into that? And, and, um, and ultimately like applying the framework, the bigger picture framework of the business always to the mm-hmm. team to help them stay on track. I think that's probably one of the most important things. Um, and then, yeah, I think in terms of culture, it's twofold. Number one, abs- absolutely, you know, being an, a, an inspirational leader and developing people, helping them grow. We've had so many people in the business that have grown up there, been with us for we have very long tenure, um, and very low turnover and, you know, people That's really, right. yeah, like they're, they're being developed. They have a career here and they're growing. Mm-hmm. A big part of my job is to, to, you know, help foster that. Um, and, and, and ultimately create a culture where people feel like they can be successful and, 
um, they can have a meaningful contribution to the direction of the team. And, 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 you know, that doesn't just happen. You sort of really need to foster that culture. And I think that's of course. the most important things that I do as well. Yeah, no, I can see that. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women and Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. What's one thing you wish you knew before you started the business? Maybe something you learned a hard way, you know, first year in. And I find as entrepreneurs, we unfortunately encounter these things again and again. But what's one big thing that you wish you had known about? Yeah. So I feel like this is super obvious. It seems so obvious now, but like strategy matters. Um, I feel like when I was first starting, I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like I, I'm like starting this business and I'm selling stuff and, and I, you know, get to make products for dogs and this is great. And I feel like honestly, for the first few years, I sort of just went along and the business took some like turns that like we're fine and we got to a good place, but I feel like we probably could have gotten there faster Mm-hmm. If I was a little bit more um, strategic and like disciplined in in our strategic plan, so I, I definitely feel like the first few years kind of just went along with things and sort of grew as I came. And I think as I you know developed as a leader, I realized that being strategic is like our business has grown you know exponentially in the last three years because I really sort of redefined mm-hmm. strategy. And I can just give you an example: really focusing on you know building the brand focusing on innovation first products, um, you know, and and that leads to all kinds of great things like driving, you know, more loyalty with our customers, reducing seasonality of the business. There's many reasons to do that. Um, and, and I think that, that ultimately that helped us be much more directed in like our resources and our planning and really just going for something. And then, then linking, of course, financial goals to that and then being very sort of disciplined in working towards that. So I think that, um, you know, strategy matters. And if I was starting out having sort of setting that, and that vision will evolve. Of course, you learn so much as you go, especially in those early years, but still having sort of a bigger vision, thinking big, like, and not being intimidated by like big goals that mm-hmm. seem kind of crazy at the time, but I now know are, are, are possible and do doable. Um, and mm-hmm. I, this reminded me of the one thing that I would add about like my leadership style and that I really embody is this idea of sort of maintaining a beginner's mind. So, you know, Mm, I like that. Yeah. Anything seems possible. And then you like can go, you get jaded, you get burned, but always coming back to like obstacles or opportunity. Absolutely. Anything is possible. Go for the big goals and believe in them and have fun doing it. Um, And I think that's, you know, all of that ties into like, you know, how you can sort of, be more successful early on by constantly maintaining the beginner's mind, but linking it with a strategy. Right. Yeah. That's really good advice. You've 
alluded to growth happening over the past couple of years. And, you know, something I, I wanted to ask you is the impact of COVID for your business, because for most businesses, supply chains were disrupted, um, you know, generally depending on business model, uh, obviously sales would have slowed down, but in your case, I, and I don't know that you could have forecasted this trend, but it seems like everyone around me got a pet during COVID. <laughs> I know dog adoption rates went up. So what kind of impact uh, did this have uh, on, on Canada Pooch? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So I think there's exactly, there's sort of demand side and supply chain side. Demand side, you know, I, it's funny, like I absolutely huge spike in pet ownership. Um, I definitely think that was a, a tailwind, but mm -hmm. um At the same time, we've been, you know, really focusing on the growth strategy. So it's hard to say how much was sort of driven by that boost in demand versus just the strategy that we were executing. And, you know, a lot of businesses, I think, that had COVID bumps, like they've long since died down, whereas we've seen, if anything, you know, further acceleration in our growth. So I think, um, I definitely think, you know, the, the boon in pet ownership was, um, a tailwind. On the other hand, you know, we've seen, inventory challenges with our retailers, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was a lot of uncertainty, not wanting to commit to buying inventory, especially, especially seasonal inventory. So that definitely took, you know, some hits there. And then towards the end of the pandemic, having too much inventory, as right. we know, that that's, has been more of the retailer challenge. And then having a sort of not, not even our retailers, not, not even our inventory, just inventory in general and right. having to, really tighten up their buying. So we've had to sort of work through that. But um, on the other hand, you know, we've, we've really grown our retail partnerships and sort of been able to overcome that by getting into categories again, such as dog walking, um, which are really things that people are just doing with their pets. They're outside more. Right. Um, and that's, and they have been through the pandemic. They were through the pandemic and that's been great. Um, supply chain. Oh man. Absolutely. For every business been a thorn in our side, everything from, you know, manufacturing disruptions, freight disruptions, mm -hmm. uh, you know, rising raw material costs, like you name it, you know, it's been, yeah, yeah. It's been like, Perfect storm. and so I, again, like, what have we done? Just man, like really leaned on our teams, you know, to mm -hmm. be creative, be resourceful and resilient, you know, um, and, and constantly be sort of working through, solutions, planning, and, and it's just been like grind through one challenge and then overcome it and get to the next, go through, go over mm -hmm. the next and maintain a positive attitude. And, and that's how you get through it. That's how we've gotten yeah. through it. And it's been great. The business is, has never, you know, been in better shape before. So mm -hmm. yeah, just, I think it's just that grit and persistence to just yeah. like roll those waves. Mm. <laughs> like that's a good way of saying it. And um, are you someone who makes decisions more in terms of looking at a lot of data and analyzing numbers? Or are you somebody who's guided by your intuition a little bit more? Or maybe it's a mix of both. It's it's a mix. Um, I, I definitely work with many people that are like extremely data first focused and I see the way they work. So I couldn't say that that's me because I don't think I'm that extent. I mm -hmm. always have a, a gut re I I'm a big gut person and I listen to my gut a lot and I always have a gut reaction to like everything and something that's guiding me. However, I'm someone who absolutely can be convinced in different directions than based on the evidence. So right. I, I typically will have a gut reaction, but will 
will try to validate it with data um, and, and from an evidence-based approach. And again, really rely on the team and they sort of know the way to work with me, um, that that's the way it's going to go, that when we're discussing big decisions, I'm going to be asking a lot, a lot, a lot of questions to try and either substantiate what I'm already thinking or put us into a different direction that is really mm-hmm. sort of guided by, by what we've learned. So I'm definitely a combination of both. I absolutely believe in, in gut and intuition. And, um, and I, it's funny, I'm the same way as a parent. Um, I have strong sort of like gut and instinct, but I do a lot of like reading and research to sort of validate or find methodology to the best way to go about whatever it is that we're trying to do. So, um, yeah, I would say it's a, it's a combination for sure. Hmm. And what's your definition of success? And was it the same when you started your business? Has it evolved over time? And I do mean success. You can, you can, you know, you can interpret this question as uh, business wise, but I'm also interested, interested in your definition for kind of, you know, your entire life. Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's a big question. Um, I'll, I'll start with life because mm-hmm. um, I think ultimately like I, I, I think about, you know, happiness and what's going to sort of fill you up as a person. I think, of, you know, and that's something that I really sort of focus on, I guess, in life. And, you know, for me, I, I, I feel very lucky and I feel so grateful because it's number one, having a great family. And I'm extremely family oriented, both with, you know, my children, but also like my parents, my sister, the cousins and all of that. And, you know, my, my greatest joy is, is, time with the family, but also having fulfilling work, having work that, you know, is impactful. Um, and, and impact goes so is in so many different directions. Of course, it's, you know, impacting pet parents through the actual products that we make, but it's also, you know, impacting the people on the team and their lives and, and, you know, feeling fulfilled by their work. It's the way that we work together and, you know, also like enjoy this massive part of our life, which is, yeah. you know, working. Um, and, and I also am a, a really big believer in giving back. So what are the different ways that, and there's diff- so many different ways to give back, um, you know, through, through your business, in your personal life, through volunteering. And that's, you know, something that from a really young age, I'm trying to instill in my kids that we're just so fortunate, even just living in Canada and, you know, with the freedoms and and opportunities and and all the access to many things that we have. So, you know, I think success for me is doing something you love and hopefully definitely being successful and financial success is always a great benefit of that, but ultimately have having really strong relationships with family and friends and being a great parent and a devoted parent um, and, and finding ways to give back. Cause like, to me, those are the things that like make you whole. And mm, yeah. that's, you know, I think what I, what I ultimately think is, is the most important. Love that answer so much. And so what's, what's next for Canada Pooch? What's kind of, you know, the next piece of the puzzle that you're getting ready to tackle and how is that going to contribute to your vision for the brand and the company? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. So, um, I think we're, we're really sort of smack dab in the middle of an evolution, um, you know, which we're, we're already in, but we're moving more towards sort of intelligent design and, you know, just incredibly functional value added products. And so, and it's very exciting sort of all the innovation we're doing. We've, um, started, we filed, you know, a lot of patents in the last couple of years. Um, oh, wow. yeah, on our, on our, in, 
the dog walking category. Um, we're, I'm, I can say it now because it's public knowledge. We've, we've started to introduce it, um, at least to our buyers in the market. We're going to be entering the calming category. Um, and this mm-hmm. is, well, we talk a lot about sort of transformational products for the business. And this is very much a transformational product. It's a patent pending, um, product that, um, uses weight to, to help, um, you know, calm anxiety. And oh, wow. Yeah. And it's, it's the first of its kind. And we're really, really excited because just a really big believer again, and how can we mm-hmm. you know, make pet, pets and their parents happier and healthier. And so ultimately continuing on this journey of innovation and, and, um, you know, creating products that are really going to enhance the life that pets and their parents have through really smart innovation. And so we're right in the middle of that and continuing, of course, we're very invested in growing the brand and all the things that I talked about earlier and just leaning in so heavily to how we take care of our customers and the service that we provide. Like, for example, now doing like more one-on-one consultation for fitting and, you know, and, and, and really just working with our pet parents to um, help take their experience to the next level. Um, and, and beyond that rapid growth, we're growing we have never grown faster. And, and, and so all the things I'm talking about, again, where we focus, we're, we have financial targets, but do we think about that as the number one? Mm-hmm. No, we think about the strategy and how we're going to deliver on it. And that ties mm-hmm. back to our financial goals. Love that. And last but not least, um, I always like hearing the, the different perspectives and there's different ways of, of answering these questions. Uh, what's one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing you wish women would do less of? So I don't wish women did more or less of anything, I guess is my answer. Um, I feel, and I am this way, that as women, we're so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like we have so much on our plates. You know, we are, and, and every relationship is different or, you know, single parents, they have their own situation, you know, but I, my observation is, you know, people have different sort of roles and responsibilities when it comes to like their life, their work, the way that might be divvied up with a partner or the way they're doing it all themselves. And there's sort of this perpetual sense of guilt of like, well, I'm at work. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working late because I'm so busy at work. I'm not spending enough time with my kids or I'm with my kids and, oh my God, I should be working harder or doing more at work, you know? And I, and I, I think there is just a tremendous amount there and we're taking care of the house and it's, it's doctor's appointments and it's, you know, birthday parties and then it's board meetings and it's, you know, and, um, I think ultimately all I, all I would hope is that we can sort of, you know, give ourselves a break and take that step back and say like, you're, you're yeah. doing a lot, you're doing enough. You're trying your absolute best because I, the women yeah. I know, man, they try their best. They try really hard in, in work at home in, in all of those aspects and, I just know so many incredible women that um, I am just, you know, in awe of all that they do. And so I absolutely would never tell a single one of them, you should be doing more of this or less of this. It's like, you know, man, just take a second and pat yourself on the back and know that Mm -hmm. it's enough. Um, And you're amazing. And let's just, you know, keep, keep trying. And, and that's good enough. I absolutely appreciate that answer. And uh, I, I would agree with uh, what you're saying. Uh, so where can uh, our listeners find Canada Pooch? We're going to link up your website and socials, obviously, but where where can we look for you? Yeah, so pretty much like any um, 
pet specialty store. Um, you can find us at your local pet store. You can find us at Pet Value. You can find us at PetSmart. In the U.S., we're at Petco and most chains. And then, of course, on our site, CanadaPooch.com. Um, and so we're we're very accessible. Yeah, you can. It's it's not hard to find us. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jacqueline. It was great hearing about your brand and your journey. Congrats on everything, and looking forward to see uh, seeing what's next with the brand. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And it was so lovely to meet with you and chat with you. Yeah, my pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Yeah.